Welcome to the podcast arm of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Peculiar People's Parish, based in Regina, Canada. Our mandate is pursuing His purpose, pronouncing His power, and proclaiming His praise. You can subscribe to our podcast channel today, so you never miss an episode of our podcasts. Be blessed by this teaching. Speak to our heart tonight, O God, and teach us yourself. Spirit of the living God, bring to our memories, our remembrance, that which you want us to know of the Father. In the name of Jesus Christ. Blessed be your name, Lord. In Jesus' exalted name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. God bless us all. Let's have our seat. Thank you, choir. God bless you. Thank you so much. Let's all have our seat. Amen. We bless the name of the Lord for tonight. Um, without uh, taking much time, we're going straight into our study tonight. Amen. And uh, we will, of course, uh, take it up from where we stopped last time. We talked about the three age factors uh, that would help us to build spiritual capacity. Um, we have group discussion, and we'll quickly dwell on those group discussion tonight, and then we move further as the Spirit directs and leads us tonight. Amen. Um, I know we have uh, three different classes that we sat in, yes, I mean, last, last week, and uh, if we don't mind, I will ask uh, some of us to, I mean, those who volunteer have volunteered volunteer some people, um, the people from the heart class, if you, we, we talked about hunger, heart, and habits. Hunger, heart, and habit. These are three age factors, very important, that will help us to build our spiritual capacity. See, there are a lot of things that we need to do. There are a lot of things that are required, rather, let me put it that way, that are required to build spiritual capacity. But I think the best way to do this is, because if we stay on that, we can stay on all of this (laughs) for the rest of this year. And we are still dealing with just one of them. So we decided to say, let's group it together and let's have a discussion on each of them, you know, in group. So if you are in the art group, could you please raise up your hand? Last week, art group. Some people don't even know what group they were last week, right? <laughs> okay. All right. Art group. Okay. Thank you. Art group. So was there someone who wrote down or who jotted down stuff for the group? Is the person available? Who was it? Two, three people are pointing to the... Okay. Okay. All right. So you will all speak then. Okay. Whose hand is raised up? Okay, ah, good. Please help me pass the microphone to Sister Debbie. Uh, Sister Debbie will speak for that group. Now we have uh, the habit group. Habit. How many of us were in habit group? Is Sister Sister Mofalaba around? Already volunteered for that group. Where is she? Okay. How many of us were in habit group? Uh, nobody. Surprise. Okay, Pastor Shei, Pastor Mrs. 
<laughs> Sister Faye, you are just coming up. Okay. Bracken, you were? You were in art group. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Yes, please let's see those hands. I, I know I, told, I spoke with Sister Mofalabo. If she's around, I know she will be prepared for that. Uh, Pastor Fagbuyi is not here as well. Pastor Shala Fagbuyi. Okay. All right. Among us that were here, who will help us take the heart group? I mean, habit group, I mean to say. Habit. Sorry? I'm coming. Brokeni. Come down. He's hungry. Okay. All right. <laughs> Habit group. Who will help us? Who were there? Those of us that were dead, let's lift up our hands. We'll try to volunteer someone. Habit. Pastor Shea was there and, and Pastor Mrs. Safei. Who else? Ah, I'll be surprised. Okay. Some people don't even know which class they were. If you are not in any class last week, can I see our hands up? You were not in any class at all. What happened? We were not here. Sadami, we were not here. Bro, Priest, we were not, was, was not here. Okay. You were not here, sir. You were upstairs, online. Okay, Pastor Femi was not here. Okay, Pastor Lucky, were you in habit class last week? Which class were you seated? Uh, that back, that's a bit okay. What of heart? The heart. I mean, onga now. Sorry, onga. <laughs> Broken. I only need one hand. <laughs> All right, Sanike. You will volunteer for them. Who is writing for them? Oh, we have Brabalola writing. Okay, good. Okay, so let's start from Brabalola, from the onga class. Um. So now let's listen to this. We will take the hunger class now. <laughs> when we talk about spiritual maturity, just a moment, sir. We're talking about spiritual capacity. Because growth is all that we're referring to here. Growth. Spiritual growth. Living the level of being a baby. And coming to the level of where God can do something meaningful with our lives. And brethren, this is not a function of age. And this has nothing to do with how long I have been in church. Some persons are in church. Somebody was giving an illustration some time ago. That some people have been born again, have been in church for 20 years. But in the realm of the spirit, they can only account for six months of progress. Six months of growth. And so in the spiritual realm, they will be seen and treated as babies, even though they've been in the body of Christ for so long. I'm not talking of those who are not born again. I'm talking of even saved soul that comes to church regularly, that participates in everything we do regularly, but that refuse to expand in their spiritual maturity. And believe you me, God cannot do so much with babies, baby Christians. God cannot do so much when we are babies. We have seen in the life of Peter 
how Jesus Christ wants to walk with him. Now, you can please project for us, sir, uh, John chapter 16, verse 24. Is it 24 now or 12? John 16, 12. We can see in the life of Peter how he moved from one level of faith to another. And he got to the level where Christ Jesus could now commit things into his hand. Mind you, at that time, he was not even baptized with the Holy Spirit. I mean, in terms of the Spirit coming down and indwell, I mean, fills them up. That, was, that had not happened in John chapter 21. But God told him the assignment that he was going to be engaged in. And he needed to grow into maturity. So all these things, when you look at that John 21 to when the Holy Spirit came, you would think it's like about five, ten years. No, it's a matter of months. It's a matter of months. Peter had said, I want to go out fishing in John 21, and some disciples followed him. That same Peter became whom Jesus got to and told his ministry and gave him a charge and then asked them not to leave uh, Jerusalem until they endure with power. And within that period of Jesus appearing to the time of the um, uh, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, was just about 50 days altogether. And the same Peter now, in Acts chapter 4, the scripture tells of the same Peter, Acts chapter 4 verse 13, that they observed them and they saw that they had been with Jesus. What changed? Something has changed. God cannot do so much with a believer that is sitting down as a baby all the time. I know here sometimes we dealt with uh, you know, baby Christianity and uh, we, we gave some of the you know, characteristics of a baby Christian. Can somebody remind us? In our Sunday school sometimes ago, I remember. Can someone remind us what are some characteristics of what you see to say somebody is still a baby Christian? What are those things we see? Quickly? Mom? Taking, taking, taking. They are not ready to give out. And you know that's how babies behave. You know, you want to take, take, take all the time. You don't want to give out. Yes? Sorry? Getting angry. Getting angry. They can't contain their emotion. If God helps us, we'll talk about emotion today. We'll talk about emotional capacity building. That's what Brian Zandi, you want to say something, sir? Characteristics of baby Christian. Yes? Just think of characteristics of babies. You will just put Christian at the back. <laughs> yes, I think Things that make you fall oh. into temptation or sin is still affecting you. Sorry, say that again, sir. I'm saying things that make you fall into temptation or sin is still, you know, prevalent in the person's life. Thank you. You see, they fall easily. They fall just like baby. Baby is running. You say, hey, hey, be careful, be careful. You, they, they have, they, the stamina is not there. They fall easily. Spiritually, they fall easily. You see, things that make them fall is still prevalent in their life. Thanks for that word, sir. Baby Christian. Yes? They cannot retain more. They cannot retain more. Cannot retain more. Mm, this is enough. That's why capacity needs to be built so that we can take much more than we are taking right now. Okay. You know, other characteristics that def define, I mean, defines babies, you see, when, even when it comes to the things of God, you know, a lot of, uh, when it's not benefiting them, they just say, hey, what's in it for me? Characteristics of a baby Christian. Now, God can't do so much with a baby Christian. Why was it that in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3, why was it that they brought Samuel 
the Bible talked about Samuel started serving as a priest. I mean, as an apprentice priest, just to say, with Eli. But that same Samuel, God came to him in chapter 3. He could not even recognize the voice of God. Let's take a look. Scripture says, I'm doing a lot of digression now, but I'll come back to where, I'm, where we are. Now, Scripture tells us that Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. First Samuel chapter 3. What was he ministering? Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. That precious there was say it was scarce. It's not talking about uh, Sister Precious. It's talking about it was scarce. The word was scarce. It was not common. So people don't hear God so easily in those days. And there was no open vision. Samuel fell into the same group. God could not do so much with him. So, and it came to pass at the time that when Eli was laid down and so on and so forth, and uh, in verse 4, then the Lord caught Samuel and answered, here, here am I. And he ran unto Eli. God was calling him. He was running unto him. Same Samuel. God called him how many times before he finally? Three times. The fourth time was when Eli told him, hey, go. I mean, the third time when he was called and he, could, he answered wrongly, he said, this is the way to answer. And he went back and he answered, then the fourth time the Lord spoke with him. Now, for me, a lesson I learned there is that God will not take you to the next level unless you pass the, other, the person level. God is patient. We saw last week from the recurrence testimony, God has the whole of eternity to fulfill his promise. He's not in a hurry. So he's going to weigh it until we grow, until we become matured, until he can do stuff with us. Samuel needs to learn it. Why didn't God tell him, no, Samuel, I am the God of your father calling you. No, go and learn that from somewhere. Apostle Samuel will say, go and buy. There are people that have been given the grace to sell. Go and buy. Learn from them. That's why mentorship is very important. When you talk about mentoring in the body of Christ, very critical. There are so many things that God won't teach us. We need to go find out ourselves. Are we, are we following so Samuel, the same Samuel that could not understand God at that time. Look at what the scripture says in verse 19. Chapter 3, verse 19. And Samuel grew. And Samuel grew. And what happened? And the Lord was with him. And did not let none of his word fall to the ground. But something happened before that could happen. He grew. Many of us are praying, God, don't let my word fall to the ground. But we're not growing. In the kingdom of God, it's in process. Things, these things are in process. We always go for the result. Why would leave the process that leads to the result? Samuel grew. And God was with him. And then his word won't fall to the ground. But it, something happened first. He grew. And so if you look at verse, uh, uh, verse uh, 20, the Bible now says, it became evidence to her. Is this 2 Timothy 4, 12, 9? I can't remember that scripture that says, your profiting will appear to her. People will see it. So in verse 20, it says, and Israel from Dan, even to Beersheba, knew that somewhere was established to be a prophet of the Lord. They knew when people saw the level of his growth, then they realized that this guy has been anointed. This guy has been called. This guy, been, he was not the one going about shouting his name or distributing business cards and saying, invite me for ministry, ministration. No. 
It, there, was, there was the howl of God upon his life. And then everybody knew that God has called this guy. And in verse 21, the Bible says, And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. That is the agreeable system of God's revelation through his words. Many will see God in, in their dream. Many will see God physically. Jesus has visited some people, they testify physically to I mean, meet them and had meeting with them and so on and so forth. But God's standard of revealing himself to people is through his words. And the word of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. So any revelation that we have that is antagonistic or is not in line or in sync with the Son of God, the word, it's not a true revelation. God reveals himself by his word. That is the standard. I don't know if it was Kenneth again, I, I think, that said that I think maybe seven or four times. Now, I, I don't know the number of times again, but he said the last time Jesus appeared to him, sat on his bed, he described him, was wearing a sander and all of that. He said he saw him clearly, sat on his bed, and he started gisting. And Jesus told him, this is the last time you will see me like this because I am not supposed to be appearing like this. The way I appear is through revelation. Search this word, you'll find me there. Search this word. And this is the same word that many of us are strangers to. We don't read it if we are not in church. That's not the way God appears. God appears when we sit down with the word. There are things you have read in the past or studied in the past, and the day you are studying it again, they come to you anew, afresh. Because the word I speak unto you, the scripture says, John 6, 63, they are, they are spirit and they are life. That is, they have ability to grow. It's the living organism. It's not just letters. There are spirits that, that is behind it. May the Lord reveal to us the spirit behind these letters in the name of Jesus Christ. So we need to grow for us to be able to be useful in the hands of the Lord. There are many things that we cannot do with our children at the level that they are right now. And you, are, you can't wait for them to be 18. You can't wait for them to be 20. You can't wait for them to finish college. You can't wait for them to get married or something. Then the world will see you displaying as a father or something in their life. Now, this is the same way God cannot wait watching us to grow quickly so that he can really use us as he had desired. But before we can grow, three very important things that must happen in the life of he that wants to grow is what we are looking at tonight. Hunger. Hunger. There must be hunger. Then the heart. We are talking of the motif. The intention. The desire. What is it that is causing the desire in our heart? And of course, we are looking at the habits. So on this note, I will call the three to come out. Babalola, starting from you. You are going to share with us hunger. Very quickly, sir. Please, can you take the stage? Thank you. Quick, 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 quick. You have just about 10 minutes, 5, 10 minutes to tell us. Praise the Lord. Um, I pray the Holy Spirit will help me this evening. <laughs> because um, we did this last week and actually thought the chapter is 
gone. I didn't know we were going to do this today, but I trust the Holy Spirit to and bring me to class remembrance. Members, people in the class can please contribute as well. Okay. Let's so, just wrap it up. Okay. okay. So we um, discussed about hunger, and um, the first thing we, we talked about in the class was defining what hunger is. And the um, definition we came up with um, was hunger is a strong desire to want something when you're not satisfied with our, with our spiritual life or feeling of emptiness in us, and we want to fill the void that we feel. That is what we described as hunger. And um, we discussed um, amongst ourselves, has any of us been in such a state before? Have we have been in a state of spiritual hunger before? And um, someone uh, in the class, I think Brokening, gave an example of when he was in the university. And um, he came, I believe, from his local village then to, <laughs> to the university. And he saw people that were burning for Christ. And he was challenged, like, how, how can I get to this state? Like, he saw people quoting the Bible, um, speaking in tongues and all that, and he was really challenged, like, I, I, I want to be like this, I want to do, to do this. So that was the hunger in him that made him um, go, and um, he went to, 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 um, to, to fill the void that was in him. And um, we also discussed that sometimes you don't know what, um, we don't know that we are hungry until um, we, we get to an environment that, that we see things happening that we really know that, yes, there's a void in us, just like what happened to our brother. He didn't know there was a void in him until he got to that environment and he saw something that um, he really wanted and he, he um, desired it and went for it. Um, we also talked about our environment promotes that desire. The environment we put ourselves in promotes that hunger in us. So um, we now went to the second question, which, which says, um, what why are many Christians not hungry for spiritual um, encounters these days? And one of the things we discussed was that one, we, because we tend to subcontract this, our, our spiritual activities to people like the pastors, um, some, they are spiritual, um, I, I, mean, I know in Nigeria there are people in, that have a camp that you just go to seven days and they will pray for you and all that. So because of such um, things, some of us are not really hungry to, 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 um, to take that um, step to to fill the void in us because we can subcontract easily to people. We can call pastor when we feel anything, we call him in the middle of the night to pray for us instead of us um, doing that for ourselves. Then we talked about complacency. We just get complacent and we are so used to God. Uh, over time, we've been in the church for 20 years, we, we tend to be relaxed and we are not really um, as hungry as we used to be um, before. Then we talked about distractions in the church and everywhere in the, in the workplace, just get distracted. We are too busy. Even in the church of God, we, we get so carried away with activities in the church that we forget our spiritual and um, personal spiritual growth. We talked about that as well. Um, um, we talked about not prioritizing our spirituality, which is also um, a reason. And the third question says, um, what are the, okay, how can a Christian gener generate spiritual hunger for God? And, and um, that we talked about forgetting our past accomplishments, like Apostle Paul um, said to us that he forget, forgets those things that he had done in the past and he focused on what is ahead of him. So if we don't dwell on the past um, achievements we, we've gotten in Christ, we will always push forward. That will help us to, to do um, well for God. And also, um, we, should, we talked about environment here as well, that we should stay in the, in the environment that, that creates spiritual hunger. 
just like what we are doing here. We come here, we talked about building capacity, how we can increase our faith and all that. This can help us to, um, to uh, generate spiritual hunger for God. And we also talked about being deliberately hungry for God. We, it, it, deliberate, it takes conscious effort that I really want to grow. I want to know God more. We should um, be deliberate in our um, hunger for God and wanting to know more of God. Then we should also, uh, we also talked about connecting with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will help us. Then, okay, I think it's good now. Then we also talked about the companies we keep, who are our friends, who are the people who are we, 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 we flow with, who do we um, rub minds with. Like the Bible has said that iron sharpens iron. So do we, um, do we spend more time with people who would do things that are not um, in line with the word of God? Do we um, spend most of our um, personal time with people who are not um, on the same page with us spiritually? These things would... Um, also help us to, to, um, to do greater things for God, will generate spiritual hunger for God. And uh, the last thing is, um, what are the effects of lack of spiritual hunger? We talked about it, it leads to spiritual deadness. Our spirituality can, can dwindle and eventually can die. And also um, it can lead to reduced faith. We talked about um, no faith, um, little faith and great faith. But um, if we if we don't um, stay in an environment that will, breathe, um, that will help our faith to grow, the effect is that our faith will begin to dwindle, and at a point, it, it can even die. And we've seen it before, people that are really on fire for God, today, they come out and say things that we just wonder, and this person was a firebrand before, so that can affect our spirituality. Then we can't really achieve much for God. I think that's all we talked about. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much, sir. God bless you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Excellent idea. Thank you. Excellent job. Okay. Um, Brokeni, it's not a competition. <laughs> so there's no trophy. <laughs> because the way you clap your hand now seems like uh, your team has won. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can see. Amen. <laughs> okay. Um, does anyone want to contribute to that? Especially, how can Christians generate spiritual hunger for God. I, I like when it says um, environment motivates such a thing at times. Environment. I remember when I was a, I think 15, 16 year old boy and we traveled to Scripture Union camp and I saw brethren, one brother particularly, I won't forget his name. His name was Okbe at that time and he would lay hands on the sick. He was just young brother. And devil were just coming out in ah, he was casting out devil. I was just sitting and watching. Hey, when I left that place in fat, fire must fall where I went. <laughs> I went back to my village or town, so to say. <laughs> and we start no that same thing must happen here. And believe you me, brethren, it started happening. Now, hunger is what promotes these things. Hunger. That's why some of us, we have to go to conferences and bring the fire back and so on and so forth. Because sometimes we can be complacent where we are. We can be so complacent as if God's power is not moving anymore. God, God's power does not reduce. It's just that we are not connecting. 
as we're supposed to. So I want one or two persons to tell us more about your experience when it comes to hunger. How can we generate? How did you generate your own? How did you generate hunger for God? Anyone, anyone? Yes, Brokeni? I also believe that you can pray for the hunger. You can pray for it. Thank you, sir. You can pray for it. Actually, by the time you are even praying for it, you're hungry already. That's the truth. You are hungry. Something is already telling you you are not okay where you are. You know, we talked about complacency in uh, our fellowship on, on Sunday, last Sunday. And that and is absolutely true. We're so complacent. When you get used to something for too long, you just think this is all that there is. Thank you. Any more contribution? Yes, sir. I think, uh, but if we go into the Word of God and you are reading, especially all through the Scripture, those issues that came up, either miracles or the Word of God coming up, and you take it upon yourself that if this could happen in the life of these people, it can happen in my life. Exactly. Thank you, sir. So in the place of studying, in the place of reading the Scripture, studying. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If we put our faith into action, we will be hungry for more. If we put our faith into action. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. Thank you, sir. If we put our faith into action, we'll be hungry for God. Yes, ma'am. Praise God. I want to say association. Ma? Association. Association. Thank you. Association. And if you look at... um, the book of uh, Psalm 63, for example, where David was uh, crying before the Lord. What do we think motivated that? What, what motivated that kind of cry in the wilderness? Because, yeah, uh, Pastor Miss just talked about association. Association are in two ways. Maybe the person you are associating with and so on and so forth. What, what do we think, what was most David crying for in Psalm 63 verse 1? What was he crying for? Yes. Ah, men and brethren, let's talk now. This is the teaching already for today. Oh. Let's talk. Okay. Psalm 63 verse 1. Okay. Let us all read together then. Three go. Is that King James Version? Everybody go. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in dry and weary land where there is no water. So, verse 2. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Now, what was motivating David here? What was he crying for? Something brought this, this, I mean, this kind of prayer back to him. What was it? Yes, there. Say it again. What the Lord was doing for him. What the Lord was doing for him. You are very close. What the Lord was doing for him. Yes, can somebody put more? No, not just challenges. He wasn't praying because he was challenged here. Yes, sir. I think um, David was mostly motivated by his love for God. By his love for God. By his love for God. Yes, sir. But that love was, 
I don't want to say it. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, yes, okay, yes, ma'am. I think um, true is that of worship. He enjoys the, the presence of God when he's where? worshiping God. Where? In, it may be in songs. No, you know? not maybe. Not maybe. Tell me where. In songs. Okay, let me help you. Where was David when he was praying this prayer? Where was he doing that? In it, the wilderness. He was in the wilderness. Where was he before? In the sanctuary. He was missing what he was doing in the past. Do we understand? He, the love he has for God was so much with him before. This was before matter of king or no king. This was when he was running away from Saul. Now, he has been practicing this in the past. Something came up and distorted his routine. And he found himself in a place where he could no longer do it. And his soul was yearning for it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, the point I'm making is we must have a record with God. Otherwise, many of us will be transferred to elsewhere. We will just be normal because there is no record. This guy has built a relationship with God in the bush before he was anointed. Maybe after his anointing and all of that. But something came and distorted his routine and see him yearning for those days. God, where are those good old days? Lord, when I will stay in the tabernacle and you will be with me. God, when I will come and worship you and this will happen. This was the desire of his heart because of his love for God. Sirs, ma'am, I want to encourage us. Let us build a record with God. I said it here sometimes ago that who knows you in this kingdom matters. We must know God to the extent that God knows us. That God also can testify that this is my child. We must know God to the extent that God himself knows us. Anyways, these are things that bring about hunger. When you have once experienced the beauty, the joy of it, and you are now looking at what you are experiencing now, you are, ah, God, where is that feeling that I used to have? Where is that oddness? Where is that passion? How many people have found themselves in that before? And then that will plunge you into three days marathon. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's, this is what pushed people to retreat. This is what makes people say they are good on seven days retreat. No talking to anybody. I want to go and find that passion, that fire back. If you have never had it, there's nothing you're looking for. I, I hope you understand. Please, we're trying to make it as much practical as we can. Do, when we talk about seeking for God, hunger for God, you have to have record of the pattern with God. Not just church going. And then you relocate to another city, still the same church going. No, 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 no. You have a record with God that you want to experience. May the Lord pour his hunger into our heart. In the name of Jesus. Let me take number two because of our time. We have taken hunger. Let's go into habit. Sister Mofalabo is here. What do you take, ma? Heart. Okay, staff, Mofalabo, prepare for habit. Okay, ma'am. Let's take heart then. Heart for God. Praise the Lord. So we, in our class, we established that God is a God of the heart. First uh, Samuel chapter 2, the Bible says, by God, actions are weighed, meaning that we could do things, but much more than what we do or say, God looks into the heart. In Proverbs 23, we also learned, you know, when God said, my son, Give me your heart. Then we read in Matthew chapter 13 about the different kinds of hearts and their impacts. So in that Matthew 13 parable, 
there were four acts that were thought about. Jesus was talking about a parable and he was referring to soil, kind of. He said that a sower went to sow and he was talking about the kind of soil that the seed fell on. Then when he was, when he was interpreting that parable, he said that seed was the word of God and those type of soil are the type of heart. So the first heart we talked about was a wayside heart. A kind of heart that hears the word of God but does not understand. There was no understanding at all. The second one is a stony heart. Such heart receives the word but the word does not have roots in his heart. The third one is a heart that is full of tongues. Such heart receives the word but the cares of the word of the world comes and choke the word up. Then the fourth one is the good heart, the heart that hears the word, understands the word, lives by the word, and bears fruits. And Jesus commended that kind of heart. The second thing we talk about is how can we maintain the right heart with God always? We look at Joshua 1.8 where God was saying, for you to have a good relationship with me, you need meditation. You meditate on my word day and night in which you will have, your way will be prosperous and you have good success. So we said, whenever we hear the word of God, it is important that you sit back and make sure that you reflect and you begin to look at areas to apply the word. Then we look at Romans 12 too, another way to have a healthy act before God. Then we say it's necessary that we renew our heart. When we got born again, our spirit man got born again, but our mind, our soul part needs to be exposed to God constantly for renewal for us to remain sound. We also said it's important that we pray that the Lord should change this heart of ours. Amen. Number three, we said, what should we avoid to keep the right heart and the right motive? We read from Hebrews 12 that we should avoid bitterness we should avoid malice, all root of bitterness, so that our hearts can be healthy. Then D, we said, how does maintaining a right heart helps to build our spiritual capacity? If you look back into the parable that we studied in Matthew 13, the good heart is the one that produces fruit. And building capacity means for us to increase, you know, our ability. Then we says, when we bear more fruit, then we begin to build capacity. And that is a way to maintain a right heart. As we have a right heart, we bear more fruit and our capacity increases. God bless you. Thank you very much, ma'am. Okay, anybody wants to add anything to that? To the heart? Uh, please, let's teach one another. Thank you, sister. I'm busy here. I need more hands, more hands. Let's talk to one another, you know. Um, Maybe your personal experience or anything that you are... I just wanted to add to the first one, the hunger and the heart together. Okay. That's what you pay attention to becomes what you desire. And when we talk about spiritual hunger, when you spend more time in the Word, it's intentionally doing it. You become more hungry for the things of God. When you intentionally surround yourself with listening to messages over and over again 
you become more passionate and you become more hungry. And this way, you're not able to hold it to yourself. You're so hungry that you bear fruit without you even wanting to because it's so much in abundance that you overflow from it and you start thinking of ways and the Holy Spirit start dropping strategies in your heart of what to do, you know, things like that. So it comes from a place of being intentional about the word and being intentional about what you pay attention to your surroundings and people around you as well. Thank you very much, my sister. God bless you. Yes, uh, Sister Oteju and then Brother Kenny. So we also talked about the importance of uh, keeping our heart according to Proverbs 4.23 that uh, we have to guard our hearts with all diligence for out of it comes the issues of life Mm -hmm. and uh, the intentions and the state of our heart determines how far we can go with God. Mm -hmm. The intention and the state of our heart determines how far we can go with God. Do we all believe that? More than the fasting I'm praying more than the service in the body of Christ, more than obedience to instructions, as good as all of these things are, if our motive is wrong, even the right thing will become wrong. Even the right thing will become wrong if our motives are wrong. Why am I fasting? Why am I praying? I told us of a time I went before the Lord for a retreat some, sometimes last year, and I wanted to stay before the Lord for a while. I think day number two, a question just came. If you are not a pastor, if you are not praying for spiritual growth for your church and for the people of God, would you still be here? And then I paused, and I answered the question deliberate. I mean, sincerely asked myself, Lord, why am I even here in the first place? to pray for the people of God, to, make the, to pray for the body of Christ, to ensure the work grows. I thought I was doing kingdom advancement, uh, you know, uh, exercise and effort. But the Holy Spirit tells me, or told me then, that no, let it be for me first, before you can talk about others. Do you love me? And that from day two to whatever day I was there, that prayer changed. The intention has to be God at the center of it first. Not that the church should grow. Okay, so when the church grows, what happens? Then you are a big pastor, right? And then what happens? And then you become the Jew. <laughs> you see that it's the wrong intention already. Then what happens? We must always look for everything we are doing. What is the motive? Because in the realm of the spirit, our thoughts are spirit, our, our words. They communicate to God. Why am I doing this righteous work? Some, some, some person can be in the, in the work, workforce just because they want to be seen. Already, it's wrong intention. Some will like, okay, you know, if I'm an usher, if I wear my clothes, they will see me, they will see my wig and everything. And the person will be doing tirelessly. <laughs> On the realm of the spirit, they're only marking clothes and wig and shoe. Intention is wrong. The whole activity is wrong. Some can be in the children's department because they want to look after their own children. I want to be sure my child is not taught something bad. Intention is wrong already. Am I kidding? That's, that's, some, you, just search your heart. Why am I doing what I'm doing? 
It's critical before God. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 3. This was one of the prayers of uh, Hannah. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge. And by him, actions are weighed. Actions are weighed. See, my wife and I, we, we talk about this a lot at home. Lord, when I search, why am I doing what I want to do? Lord, if it is wrong intention, please take it out right now. It has to stop right now. David asked the Lord, search my heart. If there's anything ungodly, anything that is evil, take it out. Search me. Apostle Samuel will say, if God tells you you are a thief, and he has never stolen before, say, God, God cannot be a liar. I better start repenting of the theft now, even though you have not committed it, because God weighs your actions. A brother, one of our brothers in those days, driving one of the big man of God, you know, my former church, and the brother was like, ah, I'm praying for power. Brother, I'm praying for power. Because whenever we went for crusade with this man, we see a lot of happiness and all of that. I'm praying for power. I'm praying for power. He will not be fasting and be, I'm just be, you know, doing, ah. So one day I said, bros, why are you praying for this power? He said, so that I can be known. <laughs> like his master that is driving. He's already coveting the way the man was honored everywhere. And so that I can be known. Wrong intention. Could that be a reason why many of us are not getting what we are trusting God for? For what purpose are we seeking for that thing? Even Anna here was initially asking for child to prove a point. But the intention was not the right intention. You don't need to prove any point. God is the one that will prove point on your behalf. And until Anna came to that realization, you remember her husband would tell her, am I not more than uh, 10 children to you? That's a lie. You are not mother. <laughs> and yes, you have another wife. <laughs> you know, we men, we know how to talk, sweet mouth. You know. But the point is, the intention for what we are desiring must be thoroughly put on the scale of heaven. Why am I giving my tithe? Some persons are giving their tithe to the Lord expecting double. I have paid for my hospital bill, oh God. If my child falls sick, you will come and explain why. <laughs> Wrong intention, brethren. <laughs> Wrong intention. I'm giving my offering so that none of my family will be as if Irubo. <laughs> Sacrifice. So that, uh, you know, sacrifice of witch and wizard. Don't come near my house. I have given it to oh, Don't come. Wrong intention. Can more people give? Uh, bro, Kenny, yes, sir. I don't know if I, I, can, I can say anything more to what you have said, but what, what keeps echoing my mind, I, I think the last time we were discussing in my Sunday school, I just went back home thinking about it in that book of Romans 12, verse 2, that, you know, it puts the, the effort in, on us. When the Bible says we should be transformed by the renewing of our, so mind. our transformation, is dependent on, and the fact that that renew is present continuous. Hmm. So the fact that you renew today, 
doesn't mean that you are totally you are you are you are finally renewed. Uh -huh. That is a constant, continual, intentional effort to be renewing. Because I believe that the heart is a platform. God speaks, use the heart to speak to you. You know, God will not most times God will not appear in front of you to keep talking to you. The devil used the same heart. Mm -hmm. So that, and the, it's just a platform of expression in this realm of the spirit. That's right. And that's why we, the Bible says that we should guard it with all diligence. If I said guard it diligently, mm -hmm. it would have been, but it says all diligence. And it says, for me, fold issues with plural, not just issue. So everything about your destiny flow from the heart. Mm -hmm. So we, it, you know, when we are guarding like soldiers, so I think it, 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 when I just got, even after taking this on the school, when I got, I kept thinking about it, mm. that it, it, we need a lot of effort. May the Lord help us. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Sister, and okay, start dummy, and then Sister Anita at the back. I have a question just okay. regarding um, the intentions. So how do we undo our intentions? Because sometimes... Um, it can be born out of passion or what you're familiar with, right? What you're used to. And that might be your point of service. So how do you undo your intentions? Is it that once you realize that the intentions are wrong, you just... Just back off. Back, back off, yeah. you know. Okay. Thank you, ma. Very good question. Okay. Um, Sanita, would you make your contribution, then we'll take that question. Or can you also answer to it? I'll take your contribution. Take your contribution. Okay, so I have a contribution and question. And question? Yes, sir. Okay, then, men and brethren, let's begin to think about that. <laughs> He's coming to us. Yes, ma'am. All right, so um, I can also speak to that very quickly. I know for me, I've caught myself in moments like that. And what I do is I just, if I would, everything I even do, I, similar to what you were saying, um, you and um, Auntie talk about our home. We also talk about in my home that if what I'm getting into God doesn't glorify you and doesn't align with what pleases you, then just cut me off from it. And so sometimes when certain things that I'm pushing for don't come, it has helped me to learn how to go back to God and seek for answers to say, okay, what happened? And then God would then show you the folly of your heart. And that helps. Um, and with cutting back on the intention, it might not necessarily be, it might just be now realigning yourself to say, okay, God, I'm sorry, what do you want me to do? And sit there until he gives you a fresh instruction and go with that. Thank you. Um, so that's that. Then for the heart contribution, it's that I know we, we are talking about guarding the hearts, you know, out of it flows the issues of life. But there are gateways to the heart, and that's what I want to speak to, that we need to watch the gateways to our hearts is our eyes, the things we see, what we're beholding, the movies we watch, the pictures we're looking at. You know, the gateway to our hearts is our um, ears, the things we're listening to, um, who we're listening to, because the truth is that there are certain people around us, and I don't know, personally I felt this, you, you hang out with certain people, you walk away, you feel drained because everything they were saying just, it takes, it's like it's darkness trying to fight the light inside of you, mm. you know? And then you walk away, you're drained. But then there are certain people you spend even just five minutes with them, you're energized. You know, you go back, you're fired up. You're, you're, you're looking within yourself, not from a place of guilt, 
not from a place of comparison, but from a place of, you know, when the Bible talks about, you know, provoking one another to good works, mm. you know, so the gateway to your heart, what, are you, what you're hearing, and even with the eyes and what you're hearing comes books to the kinds of books we read. Um, gateway to, to our hearts is also, interestingly, our mouth, what we're saying, because sometimes we just say things, yes, the things that we say comes out of our mouth, but sometimes the things that we say can also impact our heart mm. in that, you know, let's say you see something happening. Two people can see the exact same thing, you know, something unexpectedly happens and have different reaction. How you verbalize that experience will have an impact on what it does in your heart versus the person who sees maybe let's say a, tra a trailer is coming, your, there's one way. The person who just says, ah, we are dead. We have died today. Chances are that they will die that day. Yeah. But the person yeah. who, and I, and I kid you not, I have a scar. Yeah. Actually, this even happened when, we're, when I had the accident on that car. I remember the people in that bus, when the first tire went off, people around me were saying, ah, Mugbe, we have died today. And they were saying all sorts of things. And I kid you not, you know, sadly, one of the persons actually died. And when the, even the driver said it, are uh, you poor afraid? Uh, what's the worst that happened? You will die, no, nee. And he said that. Me, I told him, oh, if anything happens, you are the only one dying and you will carry your head. And he was the only one that died and carried it. And one mm. other person later died. Mm. I had my scars, I had my injuries, but I'm alive. So even our reaction in those moments, the words we, we mm. say, it tells us the state of our hearts mm. and it tells us that we should go back and do more work on our hearts. Thank you. So that's the, the gateways to our hearts. All right. My question. Okay. <laughs> okay, very quick snapping. So the question is tied to the um, question that me even asked, actually. But, you know, with the analogy you gave about, you know, um, maybe you're, you're giving your tithes and you're saying, God, this one is so that my children will not be sick or something. Where do we then find the balance between holding God at his word or, like, holding on to the word of God and saying, these are your promises and I'm holding on, you know, and I'm looking forward to that manifestation versus trying to you know, put God into a negotiation box. Okay. Thank you very much. So who will answer that question? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Just a contribution, sir. I, my favorite uh, pastor, Second Chronicles chapter 25. I will read quickly verse 2. He said, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a lawyer heart. Some versions said not with a perfect heart. We can do something that is right, that people will hate. I remember sometimes I go back home. I want my children to know the Bible, that when they talk, they talk Bible. So at a point, at a point, I just had that question, why do you want them to learn it? So that, so that my children, you understand? So that my children, so that everybody will know I'm a good, I'm a Christian, that I'm teaching my children the Bible, you understand? So I saw it there that my motive was wrong and I dropped it. It doesn't mean that I won't teach my children the Bible, but that, what is that motive? At a point, I was telling a friend that my children know at least 50 memory verses, you understand? To me, to me, the, my intention was wrong. I was using it to boast, you understand? And at that point, I stopped it. I stop it and uh, I say, Auntie, when I have a right motive, they will pick it up from there. Okay. Praise the Lord. Thank you. That kind of answered uh, Sister Dami's question, and I think Sister Alita mentioned that too. Thank you very much, Ma, for that. Uh, 
So, like, uh, I think, was it Pastor Mrs. Solusha preaching that, that, that some of us were like, we want the children to be doctor, to be lawyer, so that where you are going, they will say, Baba, lawyer, Baba, doctor. <laughs> Wrong motive. <laughs> you see? The child will say, Mommy, I want, to be a, I want to be a photographer. They say, eh, not in this house. Because it's, it's all about us. Thank you, ma'am, for that. Yes, who is going to answer Stanita's question? Yes, sir. Pastor Femi, and then I'll come to Star Lord Yede. Yes, sir. Sorry, I, I don't know if I have the right answer. I just have a contribution. Okay, sir. Uh, my understanding is that your tithe, your offering, should not be a bribe to God. You, we can't bribe God, even with our service. So when we have that understanding, then we can realize that that one, my giving tithe, my giving offering, is as a result of obedience to certain commandments and to certain principles, which can help me in, in my spiritual growth with God. But when it comes to holding God to his word, it has to come from a place of love. God, I love you. And that's why I'm doing this. Not because I know that you don't owe anybody, but even if you don't give me anything in return, I will still pay my tithe. Even if I don't get anything else from you, the ones that you have done, they are enough for me. You have proved that you are faithful. You have proved that you love me. So whatever I do is out of love, not because of what I'm expecting back. Thank you, sir. God bless you. I hope uh, that, that seals it up perfectly. Uh, Pastor IT, um, before Pastor IT, somebody else can help brother a day to move the microphone around so that he's not the only one just... Yes, Sister Lord, quickly, and Pastor Aiti, and then we'll go to the next one. Um, what our daddy said is exactly what I wanted to say. Uh, that please get our, a good microphone. Our love for God provoke us to give to him. Not that uh, we are giving to him because of one reason or the other, but if it has become part of us that my tithe, my offering is unto God, just like the way a woman will cook, for children, for the, for the husband, whether you like it or not, you cook, and you cook it with love, not even expecting anything. So when you give unto God, when you have that mind, I'm, this is my own love unto you. I'm showing it unto you, Lord, and it's so faithful. It will take care of the rest okay. consigning Thank us. you, ma'am. And we call it worship. So it's worship. Yes, sir. I'll take Pastor IT on that and then we'll move on. Our time is really fast, friend. Okay, thank you, sir. Um, I just wanted to add, I, I, I completely agree with the aspect of how the intention that should be aligned with how we're giving. I think the challenge with the question is, what is the intention for when we are expecting? And um, the issue is expecting based on the facts that we have given. So um, what, I want, what was on my heart to say is, what is the basis of our expectation? Faith is based on the word of God. So our belief and our confidence that he does love us enough. I'll give an example. Um, I was, we were really young, my brothers and I, and my dad had this standing order that if you come top three in your class, you will get a... A, anything you want. Um, my, I didn't come top three. I wasn't that smart. My, 
my immediate younger brother came second or first or something like that. So daddy said, what do you want? And he said, I want a video game. When he asked for a video game, for those that play video games, he asked for a video game when the best video game was maybe like Super Nintendo or something like that. We didn't get the video game until PlayStation 2 came out. So those of you that know video games, you know how long that was. But this is the point I'm making. Every time daddy traveled, we, we had an expectation of video game. Why? Because he said he'll give us whatever we want. And we believed him. Then we got the video game when we all traveled as a family. And we still said, daddy, you said you'll give us video game. And he said, okay, let's go. And he bought it. Holding on to that word was not on the basis of I passed. But it was, because if it was just on the basis of I passed, I would have, we would have left it a long time ago. I mean, after all, we've passed other times or, you know, and he didn't. But because we believed he loved us enough and we believed him to be able, at least in our own little understanding, to get it for us. And we believed that what he said he would do. So we continued to ask him every time there was a, a space, every time there was that need, will you give me? So our, expect, our holding on to him is a proof of faith that what you said, I believe, when it, that is the intention, it's not that I have bribed you or I have forced your hand, but I believe you love me. I believe that what you say you can do and you will do. So I'll continue to hold on in acknowledgement of that because if I don't, then what I'm saying to you is that you lied. What I'm saying to you is that you don't love me. That's not, that's not my confession. So I think part of this thing with the intention is that consistent analysis of our heart. That what is it that is driving what I'm doing? And God helps us with that. Because when we are off, I think that he will, he will show us and then help us align how we should think about it to get to connect with him in the right way. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. That was very great. Thank you. Uh, we move to the next one because of our time. Time is really fast. Pain. Sister Mafalabo will come and give us some of the lowdown that he had from Abit. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. In my group, we talked about habits. And firstly, we described what habit is. Obviously, everybody tends to know what habit is, but um, the word that was most resonant was the fact that habits are consistent. If there's anything you have that you do consistently, we can define it as habit. We said that um, habit is like a routine behavior that is repeated regularly, and that word repeated regularly would also be the same as consistently and tends to occur subconsciously. So generally, when we talk about habits, we could talk about the things that you know, like, good, there are good habits and there are bad habits. Um, some people could bite their nails subconsciously. You know, it becomes a habit. So in the group, we talked basically on those things. And we also said, okay, I think the first question was, how does keeping spiritual habits help us grow our spiritual cap um, How does keeping spiritual habits, yes, help us grow our spiritual capacity? And like we had always known, we talk, we've been talking about capacity. Capacity in one word would mean effectiveness. So that means that how does spiritual habit help us to be most effective or helps us to be a better version of ourselves? So in, okay, then we're able to talk, we are some things. We are Tema's prayers. We said giving back to God. 
and fellowship, and I think lastly we said holiness. So I think generally the question is now, how does ritual habits help us become a better version of ourselves? That is developing this habit, the habit of prayers. We all know that as Christians, yes, we do pray. But you know when it becomes a part of you, I don't know if you've met such people or if you are that person, that in every situation you are praying, you know, things happen and you're already skeboshing and skabashing and everybody's like, ah, kotile toye. But the truth is, it has become a habit that generally you do it subconsciously. Um, aside that, fellowship is another one. And I remember somebody in my group was saying that if there's anything that has helped him, it is the communion of men of God. You know, when you come around with people of like mind, somebody talked about that the other time, it helps you. You develop this effectiveness so that we don't keep repeating the word capacity. And we talked about holiness. We all know that holiness is next to godliness. We all know that. So it helps us to develop an, a holy attitude. So we, got, we went further and we said that in the place of prayers, what we do is we grow. You know, when, when we are able to, I don't know if you've been there before in the early parts of our spiritual journey, where in 15 minutes you are done, and you're like, Kilo Tuku, what else do I want to pray about? But as you grow, you know, you're spending two hours, you're spending three hours, and it, as it seems like you have not even said a word to God. You know, that is that capacity, that level of effectiveness that we are able to grow as children of God. And we have to do it consistently so that we get to that place. You know, and it goes beyond we praying for ourselves when we begin to pray for other people and like that. So we said it helps us to grow our spiritual maturity. We spoke about, we opened the book of Hebrews 5, 12 to 14, where we talked about um, milk being for babies and meat being for the matured men. And in the latter part of that ver verse, it talks about discerning good from evil. So that means that when you are praying, you're not just praying because, oh, this is my responsibility as a child of God. It, is, it gives you that um, deep understanding because we all know that prayer is not just one-sided. It is you talking to your master. And obviously, the master talks to us if we truly have that, you know, if we are intentional about listening. So we talked about that. And we said that it also helps us to be sensitive in the spirit. That's always, that's the same as discernment, right? And then we also talked about it toughens us up. We also said it gives us a deeper knowledge of situations. I don't know if you have been in that situation where you just want a clearer understanding. And in the place of prayers, you get that understanding. And even in fellowship, sometimes it could be what um, you had thought in your mind, you know, you are, you are, you've not even discussed with somebody. And somebody in the same like mind as you is able to tell you, oh, this is the instruction I got on your behalf from God. I don't know if you've been in that place before, but I'm sure that we can link communion, we can link that fellowship, and we can link um, prayers with that. And then it helps us to receive insight and foresight. You know, we have deeper understanding of things. So the second question is, what is the effect of not keeping to this habit on our spiritual capacity? Obviously, we'll start from the fact that it is the opposite of all the things we have said before. That if we are not effective in it, if we do not have, um, if you don't have that habit, it takes away all the, the growth we have talked about, all of the maturity, all of the sensitivity we talked about. And then we also talked about it, it helping or it enhancing. Would I say enhance? I don't think enhance is a good word. It, it reduces us to lukewarm Christians, yes. So it reduces us to lukewarm. And we, I, we can see that in the book of Revelation 3 from verse 15 to 16 where we talked about you, where the Bible talked about you being neither hot nor cold. And the latter verse of that, the latter portion of that verse says that at the end of the day we are vomited, you know, 
So that means we don't belong here, we do not belong there. And I, that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. So um, the other point we talked about is that, um, I think that is in Isaiah 29 verse 13, that our heart becomes far from God. You know, I don't know if anybody has been in that place where you, you, your, your heart is heavy and you're not praying about it. Before you know it, so many things begin to equip that heart. You know, if you don't fill it constantly with the word of God, if you're not intentional about what goes into it, if you don't see what goes into it, before you know it, you're already thinking, could it be, you know, all those bad, bad things, right? So that is what happens when we don't, and we don't receive from the Lord. And it turns us away from godliness. It turns us away from holiness. Because when our far, heart is far from God, when they bring that idea to you, you don't, you don't think it through. Obviously, you are not discerning. And before you know it, you have jumped on that bandwagon and you are off it. So I think the next one we talked about was a spiritual antenna not being alert. We said that before. That, and that can be seen in the book of 2 Timothy 4 from verse 3 to 4. But um, that easily says, you know, when we see Christians and they are asked to do some things, you tend to wonder, can't you pray for yourself? Don't you have a relationship with God? Why does it have to be this person that tells you what you should do? When you can actually talk to your father and hear from him and get the instructions by yourself. And then it makes us lazy Christians because that person now says, oh, this is what God says. And instead of, because you don't have a relationship with him, because you don't have that habit, you are already listening to what that person has said. What person is saying in assumption. And before you know it, you are, you are, you are off it because you do not have that, bad, that, that good habit. And then lastly, we said, give example of how maintaining of this spiritual habit has helped us. And I remember that um, people in my group, there were two major examples when um, somebody talked about prayers helping, another person talked about relationship. I don't know if I should go ahead and share that. If there's, okay. I would just talk, um, it was an experience I had, you know. Um, I know that if there's anything that has helped, it is prayers. That help, helped me personally, it is prayers. And from, from an early age, I've never taken for granted that place of prayers because it brings about clarity, it brings about discernment. And I remember when we were about um, relocating, you know, I would consistently pray about it and I would consistently get this message that, we needed to be prepared. You know, when I see dreams and uh, get, you know, that feeling in my heart that we were not prepared and the news came and we had to move. Uh, you know, seeing yourself at the airport and your load is like, ah, sorry. <laughs> Let me, it means um, I still have stuff at home, you know, and you, are, you have to go with the flight. You know that. So because of that um, understanding, I was able to start preparing. I, and I prayed intentionally about it because I was able to discern that there was something specific about that. And funny enough, when it was time for us to go, it really happened. But because of the place, you know, we had to shift our dates maybe a month before and there was a lot of our, the borders, are, um, the airports are closed, this is closed, maybe you people should not be careful, the kinikon will expire, you know all that panic, panic, panic things. But somehow, I was prepared because I had gotten that message before now. Nobody told me. I have been able to understand it. I've been able, you know, I got it precisely. And it helped me to prepare towards the journey. So when everybody was like, oh, you people are leaving, it's so surprising because obviously we didn't tell people before then. So by the time we said, oh, we are leaving, though, everybody was like, ah, you have not done anything. But if you've ever been to Lagos, you know that there's Lagos inside Lagos, Abby. I will consistently be going to that Lagos inside Lagos to get all my things. And somehow I was fully packed. So by the time everybody was like, ah, there was this panic. You people have to leave on time and all that. I was somehow ready. And how did I do that? It was in the place of prayers. So that is my own testimony. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you very much, Mark.
Wow. Thank you. Um, one thing I want to say about uh, habit is that in the realm of the spirit, consistency is a voice, a language. When you keep doing something repeatedly, you are calling for spiritual interaction with that stuff. You're bringing spiritual thing into that. You see, we can all start meeting now in a brutal and make a consistent place we meet. And before you know what happened, we turn that place to the house of God. Why? Because our consistency in it. Same way when it has to do with prayer. You always wake up at 3 a.m. to pray. Wake up at 3 a.m. to pray. One day that you forget, you will see something will wake you up. How many people have experienced that? Some, it's something will wake you up. Because God is waiting for us at that spot. Even before we get there. Well, our time is fast spent. And I want us to wrap up now. Um, does anyone have any question on this? Habit. We have dealt with this in the past, also in our Bible study section. Uh, we've talked about uh, uh, habit in the Word of God. We talk about hearing God's Word, reading, studying, memorizing, meditating, and applying it. If that becomes consistent, I mean, we become consistent with that practice. We know what it can do for us. So I, I think we've already dealt with all of this, and we'll move the other topic till another time, like building emotional capacity that we'll have treated today. We'll move it to the next week by God's grace. Shall we rise up to pray? Just one prayer point. And uh, while our sister Anita was leading at the prayer this evening on the prayer platform, we can consistently stay in the place of light, in the place of joy, continuously, that we'll always have joy in our life continuously. Do you know it's possible? Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say to you, rejoice. And she quoted Isaiah chapter 60, verse 19 and 20. I, I completely agree with the word of God that says, your son will no longer go down. It will be consistent. We are going to ask the Lord, Father, I receive grace to be consistent with you. We can consistently stay in the place of joy that you will never ever know sorrow or sadness in your life. It says weeping may, may, the word may, does not mean it will happen. But joy will come in the morning. You can consistently stay in the morning. That's what, that's what I got from that. You can consistently be in the place of mourning. That joy is always your experience. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we receive grace in this service tonight. That to stay in the place of, 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 of joy in our morning, in the light, that, that the sun will never ever go down. The scripture says your day of sorrow is gone forever. Pray before the Lord this evening in the name of Jesus Christ. That Lord, I will consistently stay in the place of light. Father, help me, oh God, whatever we need to put into practice in our lives. Let's ask the Lord this night in the name of the Lord Jesus. He said, Thy son shall be no more, I mean, his son shall no more be your light by the day. Neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee. But the Lord himself shall be unto thee everlasting light. And thy glory, thy glory, thy glory. Father, I pray, help me, Lord. To always stay in the place of consistency with you, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that we continue to express light, joy, light, joy. Our morning is consistent to God. 
will no longer fall into night. Night comes sorrow and sadness, but will no longer fall into night. But Lord, we continue to stay in the place of mourning. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. That verse 20 of that Isaiah chapter 60 says, Thy sun shall no more go down. What does that mean? You no longer experience darkness or night. You no longer experience darkness. You no longer experience light, night. That's what he's saying. Your sun will no longer go down. He said, Neither shall thy moon withdraw itself. For the Lord shall be thy everlasting word, light. And the days of thy morning, something that is ended does not come back. Father, we stay consistently in the place of joy. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the light of the Lord will continually shine upon us. Our sun will no longer go down. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, precious Father. This night, by the power and the spirit of the Lord, we pray for every one of us here and those connected online that in the name of the Lord Jesus is your season of joy. In the name of the Lord Jesus is your season of joy. By the power of the Most High God, you will continually celebrate joy. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 15 verse 13, Now the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Father, we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' exalted name we pray. Shall we share the grace in fellowship? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We hope you were blessed by that teaching. For further inquiries, please visit our website, www.rccgppp.org. You can also check us on Facebook and on YouTube at rccgpppsk, on Instagram and Twitter at rccgppp. If you are within the city of Regina, Canada, you can join us in person at 1771 Bond Street, S4N, 1X7 for a refreshing time in God's presence.